This is scary. In June 2017, I was winding down at a friend's place after drinking wine at my favorite bar. I received a phone call from my cousin telling me to come home. We lived together and he didn't tell me anything. He just said, you gotta come home. So I huffed and puffed and I went home. I walked into the door and my cousin, he's uh, 6'5 and humongous, sort of silently unfolded himself from the couch to look at me coming through the door. And I'm still annoyed and feeling really flippant and kind of sassy and asked, what's up? But my cousin just looked at me and he just said, cuz. And in that moment, I knew that it was my mom. My name is CJ Williams, and I'm here to talk about my mom, Warren. This is Sorry to Hear That, a podcast for people trying to understand grief and loss. I'm CJ Williams. I thought since this is a podcast about loss and what the aftermath looks like and feels like that I would go first because I've learned from a very young age that you should never ask someone to do for you what you won't do for yourself. Something I learned from my mom. Hopefully, as you hear my story, you see similarities to your own loss or if you've never lost someone, a better understanding of a common heartache. So I will start from the beginning, as I ask all of my guests to do. On June 30th, 2017, for me, it was just like any other day. I was at work and starting to wrap up. Actually, I was talking to a coworker about my mom. Funny enough, I saw returning to my office and looking at my phone on my desk that I had missed my mom's call. I realized that I had a lot to say to my mom, so I promised myself I'd call her tomorrow, Saturday. I realize now that missing my mom's call is the single biggest regret of my life, a regret that I couldn't even control. I'm from a really rural area. There are a lot of rural county roads and combined with some incredible incredibly hot days, well over 100 degrees that during that stretch of June, bald tires and hot pavement just really don't mix. A man driving a truck hit my mom as she was driving back to her office. His front tire blew and the pull of the truck pulled him straight into her. She was killed instantly. There were a lot of factors working against her that day. She was driving a work car instead of her usual SUV. She was next to a steep cliff that rolls down into a river. She was the lead car in a line. Honestly, it just wasn't her day. I had just talked to my grandfather a few days before. Whenever he and I chat, we always talk about the weather. And so I was very aware that it was over 100 degrees for several days. I didn't realize that this knowing that it was over 100 degrees was going to be such a big deal, that it would change the course of my life forever. 
So I guess now I should tell you about my grief and what it feels like. And maybe I should tell you a little bit more about my mom. My mom, I've always described as just really nice. More importantly, my mom has been so nice to people over time that the best way I can describe is that she left little penny deposits in people. And so when she died, I was essentially collecting pennies. There were so many people willing to help and volunteer and just wanted to do something. It was the truest essence of who my mom is and what my mom was all about that ended up showing up. Her acts of kindness, while I think appreciated in her life, more beautiful in her death. I found people that cared about her, who she had invested in. They were willing to help me, all because I asked. I just said, it's for my mom. A favorite memory of my mom is always being willing to chaperone school dances, and her and I love to dance together. We'd laugh and giggle on a favorite song and just have a good old time. Sometimes she would be the leader and I would follow her, and then other times I would be the leader and she would follow me, and we'd just like switch off very naturally. It was so much fun. No diggity. That's the song. (laughs) Or when I was 15, we were going to visit my mom's friend in Old Tacoma. And from the highway, you can see this huge hill. It's, I don't even know, it's humongous. And I was learning how to drive a stick. My mom said, okay, CJ, take a right. And of course, this right led to this hill that I had saw like 10 miles away. When I saw that hill, I was like, are you kidding me? This is crazy. And she was like, no, you're fine. Just just don't stop in the middle. And just sort of was la-di-da about it. And that's sort of my mom. Nothing could really make her flap. It was okay. We're all good. What do you do with a lady that just says, oh, well, you drive. You got it. (laughs) We got to get up the hill. (sighs) My mom was calm, even though I wasn't. Some of my favorite memories, even the ones that I'm not going to tell you about today, are always involve her laughing. When she laughs, she laughs like it's the funniest thing she's ever heard. Just deep and loud. My mom is incredibly generous. As I told you before, I learned the extent of her generosity when I had to plan her memorial. Her memorial was tough and beautiful and exactly what I was hoping for but never wishing I would ever see. We had it at my home church and well that day it was so full that there were people standing outside There were people there that I hadn't seen in years that had showed up and wanted to support my family, wanted to support my mom. We had big pictures of her up, I don't know, somewhere around four or five, and all of them were of her smiling. Actually, many of them were from a recent trip she'd taken to Hawaii. 
My mom was radiant in those photos. The epitome of the spirit of aloha. And it como mai. Getting through my mom's memorial was weird because I know that people were there. And as I told you, there were a ton of people there. The person that did our music, he's been at that church for decades, eons, really longer than I've been alive. And and he said, CJ, I've never seen this church this full. And in my head, and I know that I shouldn't have said anything, and I'm glad that I didn't. This is exactly the way that it should have been. Preparing for my mom's memorial, I didn't have the chance to grieve. I was just sort of in work mode. I had so much to do, and I lived actually across the country, cleaning out my mom's house and starting the process of all of her things. It was hard work. I had a lot of support, but I felt really alone. So the days after my mom died, they were tough. To be honest, I had started a new journal. And the new journal was supposed to be my place to think about my thoughts and dreams and all the other things that you use a new journal for. I had even written my introduction, which is something that I always do. Well, that journal, all 200 some odd pages of it, became my mom's death journal. It was the only place that I knew where I could write something and it wouldn't go away. I actually instructed one of my mom's friends, like, if I don't have this journal in my hands when somebody calls and I am talking on the phone, please, please, please stop me and give me my journal. Not because I need an assistant, but more precisely because I was in such a fog that if I didn't write it down, take notes that I would never remember. I could get off the phone with someone And have no clue what I said to them. I'm sure I said the right things or whatever was expected, but I had no idea. My grief showed up in a couple of different ways. I told you about the fog. Well, the fog didn't stop for two years. Essentially, I don't remember my 31st or 32nd year. Trust me, good things happened. Amazing things happened. I got engaged, made friends, accomplished tons. New job. I really can't say that I can complain at all, but I don't remember them. Or in a really strange way, they are muted. One of the best things that I did for myself was go to a grief group. I had this interesting conversation with the CFO of my company, and she and I had this long conversation in the kitchen, and her and I were talking about what to do after somebody dies, because that was my question. What do you do after someone dies? I I even Googled it a few hours after I had learned um, about my mom's death. What do you do when someone dies? I, in, in maybe in a terrible way, I thought that my mom and I would go through this experience together. I mean, her parents are still alive. 
and she's the oldest. I'm the oldest. There, there was a lot of belief there. So this CFO of mine at my company said, you know, CJ, one of the best things I did for myself was go to a grief group. It was free and it just helped so much. And I heard her when she said that and I went home and I found one. I also found a therapist, but trust me, that was a very, very different conversation and way to getting there, to be honest. I just started therapy not that long ago, in the last three or four months, really. I tried soon after my mom's death, but it felt just like one more thing. One more thing that I had to check off on this huge list of things that I didn't even know I was trying to do until somebody said, well, did you take care of the bill? Did you take care of that family member? Did you did you remember to call? No. Because there's no instruction manual anywhere. There's no one that says, oh, your parent died? Oh, at a young age? Oh, well then do these six things and then you'll be all right. I was just muddling my way through the madness, hoping that I was doing things right. And at the same time, trying to remember that I was grieving and was trying to understand why people kept calling me strong and that I've done it right. Why did I have to be told that I'm being strong when all I was doing was just just trying to make it. Actually, that's one thing that I've learned. The reason for this podcast. Sorry to hear that. It was one of the the phrases that I heard on multiple occasions. Sorry to hear that. And I always wanted to respond, sorry to hear what? What is it that you are sorry for? What is your apology for? The man that hit my mom? That my mom is dead? that I've told you that this this hard thing has happened? What are you sorry for? Another phrase that always frustrated me was, you're just so strong. Honey, I'm faking it. I'm not strong. I'm not sleeping, not eating. I'm just trying to make it. Because my mom is not here, and the person that I want to ask the questions and figure out the answers with is the person that I have to plan all these things for. I didn't have a choice. I didn't have an option. I think the only place that I was strong in, and I will give myself a smidgen of credit, is that man that technically killed my mother by being irresponsible. Let's be clear. He was incredibly irresponsible. The place that I was being strong in was that I forgave him. Realities are is that it was the easiest thing that I've ever done. All the rest of it? Oh my God. Save me. It was hard, but forgiving him was the easiest thing that I've ever done. Actually, this is for you, sir. If you ever wonder the person that you hurt, the person that you killed, and the family that lost her, if they've forgiven you, I as her daughter, I have forgiven you. I can't speak for the rest of my family or where they are in their grief, but I can tell you that there's someone in Warrett's family that does forgive you. Going to grief group helped me create a vocabulary. And also, it also helped me create a community of people that understood what loss was like. And yes, I was the youngest by a million years. There were mostly women in this group. And actually, 
they were all women in this group. And most of them had lost a father and a husband through old age and sickness. But this vocabulary that my grief group helped me find and better communicate, it gave me a place where it did help me feel stronger. So that when I explained why I was so sad or tried to, those very few times that I did, I could talk and say to people that often hadn't had loss before, hey, this sucks because I'm not grieving for my mother as my primary loss. I'm grieving for my friend. I'm grieving for my confidant. I'm grieving for my travel buddy. I'm grieving for a strong support. That's my secondary loss. And actually, I haven't needed a mother in a really long time. But my mom had evolved into this other thing that was so important. And it's that piece that I'm struggling with. It's that piece that I'm lost without. So yes, I miss being called someone's daughter. It's probably the thing that I miss the most. I mean, I guess I always will forever be called someone's daughter, right? I will always be called Warit's daughter. But I also miss having my mom's support in all the crazy, stupid, silly, dumb, amazing, awesome things that I do. Being able to call my mom and say, hey mom, I have a question. And then be on the phone with her for five more hours as we wander through what we're thinking about and deciphering our next steps. As I said before, I've realized more recently that essentially I lost time in my fog. I was 31 when my mom died, and as I think about my 31st and 32nd year, I don't really remember much. I essentially know I was in a fog because I'm not there anymore. Someone smarter than me said that grief is like being on a beach and walking along, minding your own business, when suddenly a wave hits you and takes you out. You're rolling and flailing, sucking up seawater. And so that's how I feel now. My loss and my grief two years out is not nearly as acute as it was two days out. But I do get laid out often enough. I find grief has been bewildering. All of a sudden, I am sad. But it comes out of nowhere. What made my brain all of a sudden stray to my mom and where a tear comes out of my eye when I was just laughing? Because while I found that I've long forgiven the man whose actions killed my mother, I'm instead frustrated by the plans and dreams and opportunities I lost that I can't experience with her because of her death. Planning my wedding, thinking about children, visiting home, her retiring, opening a new business, or two or three. Those are all things that are dreams no longer possible. In my grief, I feel much of the time that my mom is on a long trip and just has forgotten or decided not to call. That thought, I think, is both nice and terrible at the same time. She hasn't called after two years, but thinking about why she's not calling and not here, saying my name in her special way, or the mom hug I love, but low-key I'm so prickly about because I don't like to be touched all that much. Missing those things 
is what makes thinking about her on a long trip. That's what makes it hard. I find myself being incredibly curious, but also incredibly jealous of people, or more specifically, other women and girls who are with their moms. After arriving at the airport, after my mom died and waiting for my friend to pick me up, I watched a mom and daughter reunite. There were hugs and like hand moving, and it looked like they were telling a story or a couple of stories about their time apart. And I realized in a moment that I was never going to have my other half of the mother-daughter relationship I, I had for so long. 31 years is a long time to have a mother and then not have her in instant. I know I'm missing out on her presence. I don't wish ill will on anyone, but it still hurts. In my brain, when I see people with their moms, I say, oh, you're so lucky. I don't even care what their issues are or anything like that. Just knowing that their mom is right in front of them. I don't have a jealous bone in my body, but in those moments, especially when I'm missing my own mom. Fuck, you're so lucky. My grief usually plays out in my workouts, probably more than it should, especially right after my mom died. I had started boxing prior to her death and was going regularly. I like working out. It's fun. I love boxing. All my favorite things. But then after she died, I was working out two or three times a day. Going from four times a week to two or three times a day is excessive. But it was the only way that I could function. I needed those hours in the day to be able to breathe just a little bit more. And so while I was pouring in sweat and smelly, on the other hand, it was the one time of the day or twice or three times of the day that my brain wasn't focused on my mom. Where I could get out the little bit of frustration that I think I was carrying around but really have no idea what I was trying to punch away. My boyfriend at the time and my now my fiance was concerned about how much I was working out because essentially I prided myself on my sore muscles. It sort of was a reflection of my sore heart. I boxed daily until my shoulders ached. One of my trainers would say that I looked like I was punching something away. Realities are as I was. I've recently slowed down. I'm back down to one time a day, three to four days a week, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. I still need those workouts, but not nearly in the same way. One of the best things that I think we did as a family that my sister and I decided on and was that we took my mom's ashes and we went to Hawaii. We spread her ashes on her birthday. We sang a couple of songs. We tossed flowers. It was a beautiful day. And I think it was one of the smartest things that we'd done for ourselves. It was after that that I feel like I started to come out of my fog. So while my fog is essentially gone now, that's definitely the starting place. Because my sister and I had been in the, in the thick of it, trying to figure out what to do, how to close up my mom's life. It took well over a year. And now every day, my eyes are opening wider. But I still do ask my mom out loud, especially when I miss her a lot, will you come see me? I'm getting married soon. 
and knowing that my mom won't be there has been tough. My fiancé and I have decided to get married in, in Hawaii. And I'm, I'm really glad that we have. It feels like I'm welcoming my mom in. The not-so-great things about my mom's death is that my relationships with family and friends has changed. I guess it's to be expected. I really just want her to be remembered. It's not necessarily that people need to contact me, because it's not the me show. I just want people to think about her. She touched so many lives while she's here that I want her to be known. Her life was so important to so many. She's amazing. And and even though she's gone, she's done good things for others and her memory just has to live on. She's important. I hope that one of the things that you noticed is that I still talk about my mom in the present tense. For me... She's still here. She's still playing a role in my life and in my family's life that is so important. And because of that, I use is, not was. So that's my story. I started first. I'm looking forward to you hearing others, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. This podcast is created, produced, and edited by me, CJ Williams. I'd love if you could take a moment to rate and comment about the show on your favorite listening app, whatever it may be. It really does help a lot. The biggest compliment, of course, would be for you to share your favorite episode with others. Visit the website, sorrytohearpodcast.com. There you can get show notes, sign up for the newsletter, and donate. It'll be much appreciated. I'll see you again in two weeks. I'm CJ Williams, and this is Sorry to Hear That.